Hello everybody, welcome to The Coaching Conversation. I'm Graham Wiley and I've been coaching business leaders for the last two decades. In this series, we're going to explore some of the things I've seen and learned in that two decades and hopefully help you see how you can become more focused, more effective and hopefully happier in your life. So, it's now time to sit back, relax and enjoy The Coaching Conversation. Hello everybody. In this edition of the Coaching Conversation, I'd, I'd like to perhaps share with you some of the outcomes that we've seen from some of our programs and to give you examples of the kind of development that is not only possible, but frankly, very common. Um, clearly, there's a large degree of confidentiality about this, so I'm not going to be able to name names, and I'm going to have to mask it a bit to protect people and protect my relationships, as you probably appreciate that. Um, I think the first thing to say is that coaching and mentoring programs are from uh, the executive mindset are goal orientated. They're designed to change things, to help people be the person they want to be, to do the things they want to be able to do primarily in their work life, but as I've said in a previous edition of the Coaching Conversation, that spills over oftentimes into their private life as well. So typically what happens in a coaching program, we'll, we'll be introduced to the coachee, which could be the business owner, it could be one of their senior team or some of their senior team, or it could even be some people that they believe are fast trackers that they want to accelerate their development. I will be introduced to them and there'll be a couple of conversations that are pretty important. One, one is with the sponsor, the person paying the bill, which is what is it you want from this program? And we, we distill that down into one or two or three key development targets tar and, and goals. And they're not necessarily criticisms of the individual. They're often opportunities for improvement rather than correcting bad practice. I have a similar conversation with the individual and it's very rare that those conversations don't coincide. It's very rare that they don't know themselves well enough to understand what their boss or the sponsor is thinking they should be working on. But in addition to that, they'll probably have two or three other big things they want to work on at the same time. And so we'll end up prior to the start of the program with about half a dozen key goals that we're looking to help them develop their uh, capabilities around over the course of the coaching program. And they vary. These, these things are um, obviously particular to the individual, they're particular to the organisation. There are common themes, and we've talked about those before in previous coaching conversations, but things like interpersonal skills, commercial skills, developing particular relationships that are key to the organisation. And, and it, it tends to be um, repetitive in, in some senses in that we routinely have problems around stress management, time management. We typically have problems around work-life balance, which are almost universal to senior roles. However, in some organisations, particularly um, small SMEs or even family-owned organisations where there's a degree of succession planning going on, 
there is a, a desire to prepare people with a wider understanding of, of their role at the next stage of their development. They, they might be a, a departmental head and they're going to become a director. They might be a director and they're going to become the managing director, or at least that's the plan. And so guiding them, helping them work through where they are now and, and where they're going to be and what that's going to need that they don't currently have is all part and parcel of the same coaching program. And, and clearly that those specific skills will, will be particular to that moment, that situation. So here is an example. We were working with a technology firm and it was a, a family owned technology firm growing very quickly, had a very unusual position in its marketplace, not exactly unique, but, but a leading position. And the non-executive chairman, who was a significant shareholder, was very keen to do two things. He wanted to reduce the dependence on him and the managing director. So he wanted to create a wider executive board that was capable of running the business without the two of them which in turn would enable them to sell the organisation, particularly at a premium, and, and release the value that they built up in the organisation. So our brief was very clear. Could we develop each of the members of what was then the senior leadership team to become effectively capable of becoming promoted to the board of directors? We did a lot of work in helping each of the individuals determine exactly where they were. We did a lot of self-awareness work, who they are, where they're at and, and their understandings. We talked a lot about what they thought was missing in their arsenal. And, and we, we worked generally on a one-to-one on -one basis with no form of sheep dip and, and no form of uh, universality of, of the conversations and the, the work that we undertook. The programme lasted about nine months. And the following things happened subsequent to that program. There were six people in the program. Five were promoted to directors. One didn't make it. Um, two years later, the organization was sold to a global multinational. And if I told you who that was, you would instantly recognize them for a very significant premium. And ultimately the manager director and the chairman were able to move out of the business after a very short six-month handover period. Better still, one of the members of that senior management team that became a director was then promoted to managing director and three years later was still running and growing the organisation and in fact had trebled the size of the business since so. And so, at any yardstick, the investment in that particular program achieved exactly what the individual sponsors wanted at the beginning. It helped the individual members of the senior team get what they wanted, albeit one person didn't go as far as they wanted to. They certainly didn't lose their job. And it resulted in the kind of liquidity event that many people only dream of. In another example, we were working with the chief executive who was planning his succession, not in a short term, not, not within a less than a five year period, but he needed to be sure that the person he believed would be the next CEO was going to be the fully, round, fully rounded, complete article to do 
the job when he stepped back. This was a particularly sensitive organization. It, it, it reached out with a very large customer base and had not only a, a lot of interaction with the individual customers, but with associated trading partners and government bodies and, and so on. So it was an influential business and it required a, a high level of um, interpersonal sensitivity. The individual selected initially to be the successor for the chief executive role was an incredibly talented person, an, an amazingly capable individual, exceptional in, in many, many, many ways. And clearly stood out from his peer group as, as the obvious next leader. Save for a couple of really big issues. He was very, very interpersonally challenged. He was so fixated on his work that he, he, he was working exclusively on his own agenda and had absolutely no time for anybody else or the people that work for him, the people around him, and indeed some of the external contacts, critical as they were to the performance of the organisation, he was insensitive to some of the points of their needs and requirements from him. The second challenge he had was, was more to do with the commercials, not, not in the context of not understanding how to make money, but how to do so in a way in which everybody benefited, both the customer delivering value and the organisation in terms of turning a surplus and a profit. These seem relatively straightforward challenges, but they're actually quite complicated. First of all, getting someone to understand and willingly accept that they're interpersonally challenged is, is not an easy thing. First of all, they're interpersonally challenged because they don't realise they're interpersonally challenged. They have very little sensitivity around the matter. So we had to do quite a lot of work around self-awareness tools, quite a lot of work around helping you understand that what other people saw when they did business with him. So we did some 360 work, we did some psychometric testing, we did a number of workbooks around emotional intelligence and managerial leadership programmes and learning styles and a whole bunch of stuff which got him to open his mind up to perhaps other ways of working, other ways of seeing people. Getting someone who is very intelligent, very smart, and has got a massive successful track record of recognizing that perhaps he didn't really understand that in a commercial transaction, both parties could win. It didn't need to be a win-lose scenario where all the value fell his side of the fence. Getting him to understand how he could deliver value to a client, which didn't necessarily um, impede his ability to make money for his own organisation, was revelatory for him. Now, we didn't have any universal insight. We didn't have any clever tricks other than helping him think it through, other than asking him open questions that got him to explore what the client might be looking for above and beyond the monetary aspects that we talked about earlier. So what happened? It was a six-month coaching program. He started to experiment with the interpersonal challenges and he, he had some real, real tough feedback from the beginning because 
it was a different set of behaviours and people who he interacted with on a regular basis were seeing him behave differently, whether it was in meetings, whether it was in social contact, and he was asking them questions that he'd never asked them before, he was getting them cups of coffee he'd never got them before, and so on. And so he was getting some pushback in terms of what's wrong with you, what's happened. He pushed through it, and within the six-month programme, he had revolutionised people's view of him. Now, I wouldn't pretend that he was everybody's best mate, and I wouldn't pretend that he was on the, the top of their Christmas card list and invited to every office party. That would be an exaggeration. However, it had substantially moved on to the point where the chief executive could see that a very strong foundation had been laid and his awareness had been opened and it was something that he could continue to work on and would as a priority. When it came to the commercials, well, this was a really big issue because at that moment they were tendering for a very large piece of work. In fact, a transformational piece of work. And they needed to demonstrate that they were going to be delivering something more than the competition. Not only were they going to be cost-effective, price-effective, they needed to actually demonstrate value for the client. And in this context, it was legacy know-how. In this context, it was making sure that the, the client had adopted the internal skill sets that they had effectively paid for. And not only did they win that contract within the six-month programme, but the feedback initially from the, the first phases of the rollout were substantial because they had included all of the staff at the client that needs to be included in terms of owning the project, rolling the project out, understanding the intellectual property and, and so on and so on. So at the end of the six month program, we had done two things with the coachee, which takes all the credit for the fact that the coachee did all the work. The truth is he had repositioned himself to a position of greater opportunity for success. He tackled head-on to very significant challenges very, very successfully. Transformational. In a third example, we were working with an organisation that had moved and transformed its legal entity status. It had been an independent business and was effectively subsumed by a larger parent. In turn, the chief executive had been promoted to a larger role within the new enlarged organisation, but retained direct line responsibility for the operation of the new business. That meant, in simple terms, that he not only needed to backfill, he needed to backfill successfully to enable him to take on his wider role and be confident that his old job was still being done successfully in a new culture as well to boot. So we coached the new CEO who had been working with in the organisation for all oh, nearly 10 years. So he wasn't new to the organisation, but he was certainly new to the situation and he's certainly new to being a CEO. And we coached two or three of his direct reports at the same time because not only did he need to backfill, but they needed to raise up their skill sets at the same time. So it was a complete elevation of the team into a new culture. And so the kinds of things we were 
working on, again, were leadership and management. What is the role of, of a CEO? What is the role of a leader? What, what What's different between that and head of a function or director of a function? We were dealing with how to lead a cultural change within an organisation that was previously independent and, and, and now isn't. And we were dealing with how do you motivate a team that's been effectively thrown into a whole um, melee of change that it has very little control over. And again, it was a nine month coaching program, which in fact continued for about 18 months in truth, and was an enormous success to, to the point that the elevated CEO became promoted further and then moved on to an even larger role again. The CEO of the original subsidiary has now been well established as the most successful CEO of that division in its time and can point to a whole raft of successes that possibly people weren't expecting. And so the program itself has proved to be transformational for those two guys at the same time for the both organizations, the acquirer and the subsidiary, and for the cohort of senior managers immediately below the CEO. These are the sorts of environments, the sorts of challenges, the sorts of opportunities we encounter on a regular basis in our coaching and mentoring programs. If any of this rings a chord, if any of this seems to make sense to you, and you think it's the sort of thing that you're looking for, I can only recommend finding yourself an excellent coach and mentor or an organization of excellent coaches and mentors and exploring with them how, how they could help you. Because there's no doubt that it does. Ultimately, the work that is required comes from the coaches. But it won't happen without a coach and a mentor. Without the accountability, without the open questioning, without the pushing and prodding that comes from a coach on a regular basis, the additional development simply will not happen. So, there you have it. The latest edition of The Coaching Conversation. Hope you found it interesting. Hope you found it useful. You can find out more about our coaching programs at theexecutivemindset.co.uk. If you want to reach out, you can send me an email at theexecutivemindset at sagegreen.com. You can book a free 30-minute session at theexecutivemindset.co.uk, which will give you a really good feel for how coaching could help you. And if you really enjoyed the session, do please rate us, do please give us a review. And nothing more for me to say other than see you next time.